Uh, now let's uh, pray as we hear God's word. Dear Lord, thank you for your word to us that tells us the truth so we can see it and know it and see ourselves rightly, see you rightly, and know this world that we live in and, um, and the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus and the hope that we have. And pray that you'd give us hearts to see it today, that we might believe and trust in you and walk by faith. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so many of you might be familiar with the, the old comic Pickles, which follows the, the elderly couple Earl and Opal. And uh, someone on my Facebook feed has been, has been posting old Pickle comics. And there was this one where Earl, he's just standing in the kitchen, just standing there quietly, clearly confused, just kind of, <laughs> and his wife Opal comes and asks, Earl, what are you doing? And he says, well, why am I here? For what purpose? There, there must be a reason. And she responds with, well, well what do you mean? Like, do you mean like the, the, the meaning of existence or the nature of reality? He says, no, no why am I standing here in the kitchen? <laughs> and, and it's an experience probably uh, common, more common than many of us would like to admit for ourselves. Um, but those big questions... The big questions are, are important for every person to answer. Questions like, what am I? And who am I? And what is my purpose? Do I matter? And therefore, does it matter what I do? And when we don't have answers to these questions, or we leave God out of the answers, it leads us to a bad place. I was, just, I was prompted to look at this again from our, our hymn, Just As I Am, here. And that verse says, I'm, I'm tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, dread fears within, and strife without. And what, boy, what a description of our life when, when we don't let God bring us those answers. And we look at the world around us, and it clearly more and more of the world, as they're shoving God out and not accepting his answers, they're experiencing these words, because we, we know anxiety in our society is higher than ever and has been increasing rapidly. And there's also a growing confusion about what it means to be human, about what is right and what is wrong. And the world outside of God, you know, presents endless options for these answers, but no wisdom or guidance. And their many souls are deeply troubled by a crisis of identity and a crisis of meaning. And the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it's, verse 10 is our, our primary verse today, but the earlier part of the chapter describes this broken condition. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's the devil, by the way. That's what they're describing there. Verse 3. Among whom we all, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But verse, and verse 12 also describes people without God as being strangers, aliens, without hope and without God in this world. A pretty depressing, hopeless, but accurate description. But Ephesians 2, 8, and 10 declare the grace of God that redeems us and restores us. Verses 8 through 10 says, For by grace 
You have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I really want to focus on verse 10 today here. Uh, we look at the words it uses and says, you are God's precious creation, his workmanship. God is the creator and mankind is his special creation. And these words, workmanship and creation, they, they reference back to God's work in creation, creating mankind. And I want to read Psalms 8 here, uh, verses 3 through 6. It says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the, the moon and, and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? And yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So humanity is, is a good creation. But as we also read it, we are corrupted by sin. And sin is the source of all our, our troubles and our heartaches in this world. Uh, however, Ephesians 2 verse 10, it's using creation language there, but its primary focus is God's work of grace through Jesus Christ to save your soul from sin. And it, we look at other parts of Scripture that tell us the when, where, and how that God did this. We look at Galatians 4, 4 and 5, and it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So when Jesus saves you, he redeems you. He restores what was lost. And he, he does a new creative work in your soul. And so that, that change in the heart, that is his workmanship that he's talking about here. Now, so we, all of us, that means all of us here, we, we're, who were once dead in sin, are made alive in Christ. And so if you are in Christ, you have a new identity. A new creative work has been done in you. And it tells us that, that our connection with God, that unique relationship we had with God as, as humans made in his image, and sin had broken that connection, but that is now restored through Christ. And so what you are and who you are has been created anew. And so that's, that gets us here to this uh, answers to the what am I, who am I, what's my purpose? We have our, these answers are here in Scripture. Galatians 3, 26 through 27 says how this happens for you, how it happens for each person. It says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So God's word of promise spoken to you in your baptism breathes spiritual life into your soul. And if you believe in God's word by faith, then you have what he promises. He does what he promises in his word. Your sins are washed away, and, and you put on Christ. 
And you are adopted as God's child. So you have a new identity, a child of God. But you also have a new being, a new existence, as we talked about before. God, the, the righteousness of Christ is placed on you. You put it on. It's put on you. And, then, and I kind of think of this, uh, you know, for a humanly earthly example. When I joined the Navy, I embraced, I was given, really, a new identity, uh, um, both legally, you know, the, there's, a, there's a commission from the, United, the, from the uh, Congress of the United States, um, so a legal identity, but also uh, a whole life identity. I, I wore the uniform, I lived by the code of conduct, I embraced the duties that came with it. It was, became a transforming identity that changed all my life. But that identity also had to eventually end. Um, that, it, like all professions, eventually end. Um, our, our human identities are temporary. So it doesn't matter whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or an electrician, a plumber, a teacher, all, and all the rest of our professions. These things eventually end because either we, we move on to different work or we retire. Um, but we can't, we can't continue in those things. And so those identities are seasonal. Might be 20, 30, 40 years <laughs> seasonal, but, but they do end. They can't be our, our core permanent identity. But Jesus gives us a new identity that changes you right to the core. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Change or, or created anew, a new creation. So in Jesus Christ, you have a sure identity, a certain one, that, that nothing can shake in this world. And, and it is a blessed and good and holy identity. And Ephesians 1 describes the believer, and it says you, you are chosen, you're adopted, you're redeemed, you're an heir of heaven, you are sealed, that means protected, by this Holy Spirit, you're enlightened, and then chapter 2 says, you are spiritually alive, you are saved, you are raised up and seated with Christ. You have been brought near to God, you are a new man, you are reconciled, you are a citizen of heaven, you are a member of the household of God, that family membership. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10 also describes this new identity, it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So in Jesus, you are a child of God. And this identity, it is a source of rest and comfort. You don't have to strive for it. You don't manufacture it. You, you, don't, you don't make it happen because it doesn't come from you. You are God's workmanship. And this identity is the result of his work in Christ Jesus. So you just receive it, accept it, and embrace it. But these truths from Scripture also mean very clearly then that, that every life matters. Whether we look at the original creation that all humanity is made in God's image, and that means every life matters. But we also look at God and his love for humanity, that his love is so great that even 
while we were corrupted by sin, he sent Jesus to die for your sins so that you could be forgiven and renewed and restored to him. That's how much he loves even the worst sinner. So therefore, how much he loves every human being. So every human life matters. So the brand new life in the womb that has never seen the light of day matters. The old, fragile life that feels like it has nothing to contribute anymore matters. And the, the bum who has, who has wasted his life, he matters. And the, the desperate soul who has, who has spent their life reshaping, deforming their mind and their body through sin matters. Or, or the destructive person who seems, it just seems like they just ruin the lives of everyone around them. Matter. Made in God's image, they matter. So the answer to our broken, not brokenness, our brokenness is not to try to become something other than human or more than human, but to restore the righteousness that humanity was always meant to have, was created to have, and is restored to us in Christ. And this is what Jesus does for the believer. He gives you, to you his righteousness. And so this good news means, first for you to accept and believe, you matter. You have an identity. You matter. But it also means that, that every other person matters. They are a, a precious, immortal soul that Jesus died for. And so my... My call to you that is to live by this truth and treat others accordingly. Ephesians 2 verse 10 also tells us our purpose. It says you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. So this is, this is the, the big picture, the big direction for your life. And we see that this call is, is a constant theme of Scripture. Titus 2 verse 14 says that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And scripture also describes for us what good works look like. What are we talking about here? James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And in Matthew 25 Jesus taught his disciples to welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the sick and the imprisoned. And he says, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it for me. So these things, they, all these things there, there's things you can do no matter what your profession is, no matter where you live. There are things every person can do. And God's not concerned whether you did things that are great in the eyes of the world. You don't have to be part of some large organization that's solving a global problem. Doing a simple good deed for your neighbor has eternal value. Jesus says, you know, 
Whoever gives a cool glass of water to a child will by no mean lose his reward in heaven. I think a, a timely word for us in our society here is, is don't let your busyness prevent you from doing good. And if you find yourself so busy that, that you cannot help another human being, then there's two things you might want to reassess. The first one is priorities. Is your life busy because of your choices, because of your priorities? Can you change the, those to make yourself available to help others? Or if you are inescapably busy because that is the season of life you're in, and I acknowledge and recognize that, that is true for many of us, that there are, there are see those seasons of life where it's all you can do to just keep everyone warm and fed. <laughs> But if you're in that season of life, then reassess the value of doing tiny good things. There is, there always is something you can do. Everyone has five seconds to say a kind word or just give a helping simple hand for five seconds, right? And often we don't, we don't do the, the tiny good things because we don't see the value in them. And I've, I've definitely been there. I've looked back and, and realized, hey, there was this situation in life where I felt so down because I couldn't solve the big problem and I felt bad about myself. And I didn't even, I just was blind and ignored the good things I could still do. And looking back, I said, oh man, I, I missed that. And that could have, maybe wouldn't have solved the big problem, but it would have helped everyone else around me to endure it better. It would, have, it would have been real leadership <laughs> to have done what I could do. So most of all here, we look to God. God values the tiniest good act done for his sake, done to help another person. And, and I think of, of the account in the Gospels of the widow's penny, the widow's mite, where she goes to the temple box, she drops a penny in, and Jesus points her out to his disciples and says, you know, wherever the gospel is spread, this story will be told because you see everyone else, they gave out of their excess, out of their, over their abundance. They gave their leftovers, but she gave everything she had. Her penny offering was worth more in the sight of God than all the gold that the wealthy gave. God values the tiniest good act done for his sake and done for your neighbor. So maybe you cannot solve someone else's great big problem, but don't let that stop you from doing the good that you can do. And God also, he reassures you that you are part of his plan. You are renewed for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So God prepared these good works for you to do. So the time and the place that you find yourself in is not by accident. There are problems and needs right here. And you are right here. And that is God's providence. And he has sent you to speak up for the helpless and to be the hand of mercy for those who are suffering. And since it is Sanctity of Life Sunday, I wanna give special focus to the evil of abortion. Because when we think in these regards here, the, the unborn, I mean, they are the most helpless, the most voiceless, the most unseen. Abortion treats a baby, a person, a human being as unwanted and utterly worthless in a unspeakably vile way. I mean, words cannot really express that evil. And now we, the death of any human, of any, of any age, in any situation, is a, 
loss and a tragedy. And I think we, we all know that and we've all felt that. But we think then of the murder of a human being. I mean, that, that is always evil. And there's, there's no possible good, as if you could weigh them on scales. <laughs> but don't we want to walk with me in this illustration here? If, there's no possible good you could weigh on a scale that justifies killing a baby. Now with that, I want to say here that none of that takes away or diminishes the grace of God offered to all sinners for all their sins. Boarding is not the unforgivable sin. It can be taken to Christ to be forgiven and confessed and forgiven and repented of and washed clean and put the righteousness of Christ put on you. So if anyone who's ever been any part of that, I want to declare that grace and forgiveness and cleansing too. And we look at our, our, the state of our nation, the state of our, our state of Minnesota here, um, and this struggle to just declare the truth that it is a human baby, therefore aborting it is wrong. And in our own state, that, that might look discouraging right now as our, our, our current our state of Minnesota here is pushing and promoting abortion without any limit or restriction of any kind. And that might look really discouraging for us. And we have, have to say, yeah, we, we, we have difficult tasks ahead of us, maybe even difficult times. But our calling remains the same. Do the good that you find to do. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Love your neighbor. And love God above all. God prepared these good works in advance that we should walk in them that we should walk in them. So you have a holy purpose and a path to follow. You have a direction for your life. And you don't have to worry, don't have to be distressed about whether your life measures up or whether it contributed enough to be significant. Because all those concerns are provided for and answered in the grace in Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, you have a sacred identity. That, that, that's, that's secure. You are God's precious creation. And in Christ, you have a holy purpose. So what you do, your life matters. You have a purpose to do the good works he prepared for you that you might walk in them. And so this here that we've talked about, this is living faith. It's living out what you are in Jesus. And this is the path that leads to peace and to life. And my hope for each one of you is that you know fully who you are in Jesus Christ and that you are walking with him by faith. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your wonderful word from the book of Ephesians that tells us of your amazing grace to us, given to us freely in Christ, that, that saves us from our troubles and from our sins and puts the righteousness of Christ on us and gives us a new identity and a new purpose and gives us good things to do with our lives and pray that we would, each of us here, would ha our faith would be strengthened in you and we'd look to you as our God and our Savior and our Lord and that we'd follow after you by faith, trusting fully in you and all that you have done for us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.